What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. Welcome to episode 15 of the podcast. Today, I get the amazing opportunity of interviewing Brian Lucia. He's an absolutely inspiring and extremely successful investor and founder of Bel Air Property Management with multiple offices in Massachusetts. This was an extremely informative interview with absolutely brilliant information that is all priceless, all in one place. Brian is such an unbelievable person, and I am extremely grateful to share this three-part interview with everybody. This is definitely one to listen to over and over again, because there is so much value that you won't absorb all of it in just one listen. There is unreal amounts of value in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 15 of the Creating Wealth Podcast. Today, I have the really great pleasure of talking to Brian Lucier. He's from Bel Air Property Management out of the Fitchburg office in Massachusetts, and I'm extremely excited to have him on. Brian, what's going on? How's everything going? Mr. Curtin, <laughs> a pleasure to be on with you tonight. Uh, <laughs> Um, the viewers don't know, but we just had a little chat and, uh, this is going to be so much fun. So exciting. Um, I, I have a lot of stories and you've probably already warned me that this may go into two sections <laughs> because I do like to talk. So, um, yeah, everything's great. I'm down here in lovely downtown Fitchburg in front of the infamous Bel Air property management snack bar where we've got the sweets on one side, the salties on the other side coffee, espresso machines, all that stuff. So, you know, people come in, we make them feel at home. We have a nice looking office stage, like one of our rental units, a higher end rental unit. So if a tenant comes in, we can say, we might have a place like this. And if a landlord comes in and says, if you let us, we'll do the rental. So I love it. Uh, this is our gig and uh, we've been doing it now 20 years. Ooh, that is amazing. I definitely can't wait to dig in. You know, to, to really start things off, Brian, um, you know, if you could kind of tell me a little bit about your story, you know, how you got started, um, you know, how uh, Bel Air Property Management started and yeah, just jump right in. <laughs> Happy to. Thank you again for the opportunity, Kyle. So more than 20 years ago, my wife and I lived in a house in Lemonster, or if you're from here, you say Lemonsta. <laughs> uh, and uh, we had a contractor bid on taking our porch to make it a three-season room. Well, my background, I've been carrying plywood since I've been 13 years old. My dad was a contractor. You know, we grew up with the French contractors sitting at the table, talking French. But every now and then they'd use an English word that we knew and weren't allowed to say. So, <laughs> yeah, me and my brothers, we've been around real estate all our life. And my dad built homes. So... At this point, I've been dealing with contractors all my life. And this gentleman, I won't name a name, he came in, wanted me to write him a big fat check. I said, okay, well, where's the permit? Where's the contract? What are the terms and all that? I said, oh, no, no, no. You just need to write me a check. I said, tell you what, why don't you get off of my property and we'll call it a day. <laughs> so he signaled to me that I was number one. And then uh, he left and I looked at my wife and says, you know, the money we were going to spend on this why don't we just go buy a rental property? 
And my wife is Korean. I don't know if you've ever negotiated finances with a Korean woman. You'll know if you did because you'll be missing a finger. Okay. My wife is a fierce negotiator. And then she told me, you're crazy. We're not real estate people. We're going to lose money. There'll be trash tenants and toilets and, you know, all this stuff in some Korean words, which I probably wouldn't be able to pronounce or repeat on a live air. But I says, well, okay, fine. And I just let that sit in the background there. And then tax time came around and we're sitting there doing our taxes with our accountant. I've always had a business. I've always been a contractor. I've had marketing businesses, advertising businesses, always something going on. Thanks, dad. He taught me to do that. So I'm sitting there with our accountant. I said, hey, Richard. My wife didn't know I was going to do this. I says, what would happen if we took this surplus money and we bought an investment property? I did not know my accountant was a landlord. He says, funny you should ask. So he pulls up an amortization schedule, the payment and all this, and starts running numbers on one of his properties. And he says, yeah, you'd save money here. You'd save money here. You'd have deductions here, all this stuff. And now the numbers start clicking. So Hanju's paying attention, right? And then we go a little further because I grew up in Lemonster. I lived there all my life, right? So I saw the explosion that happened in Lemonster to the point where I was riding the school bus to now I'm married. And now it's impossible to drive through downtown Lemonster because the traffic's so bad. So I said to Richard, I says, well, the next logical spot on Route 2 is Gardner, Massachusetts. Do you think we can buy in Gardner, Massachusetts? Will it work? And he just stopped rolling off stats. I-190 into Worcester. You're going to be close to jobs. And everything he said came true. And now just recently, within the last two or three years, Fitchburg, Mass, added a second T-stop to the end of the line for the commuter rail into Boston, which is about five minutes away from Gardner. What a great place to be now, but we started buying 20 years ago. So it was so funny. She called me every dwarf in the book, dummy, <laughs> stupid, crazy, insane. She just went through all seven dwarfs and named every one of them. So I says, okay. So I convinced her we did our first property. One of her clients was a realtor. So we drove around and we found a property. We still own it today, 20 years later. So we bought this thing and you know we made every mistake in the book, right? We put too much down for the down payment. We did this, we did that, we did this. So not to go down those rabbit holes, but here's how I got my wife involved. Every month, the tenants would mail in the checks. So I would take the check and slide it across the desk to my wife and say, honey, can you make these deposits? Yeah, okay, I'll make the deposit. And I just kept doing that month after month after month until finally it was like, gee, it's almost time to get the rent check, huh? It says, yeah, slide it across the desk. And then, whoa, where's the rent check? Where's the rent check? Slide it across the desk until finally she said, can we get more of these? I said, that's a great idea. That's an awesome idea. I'm glad you thought of it. And now she's, man, she's on the MLS at four o'clock in the morning, looking at all the deals knows the market better than I do. So, so what happened, right? We bought our first property. This was back in 2001, where the uh, it was coming out of uh, seller's market two into buyer's market one. 
Yeah, that's where we bought it. And the prices were going up. Mm -hmm. So we put 40 grand in on a down payment, which I would bang my head on a wall right now. I would never do that again. So we refinanced that thing within the first two to three years twice, sucked out $90,000 and bought two more triplexes. So now we took our 40 grand, multiplied it into nine units and the market was still going up. So we took the other two properties we bought, refinanced 40 grand each out of those and bought five, altogether five properties. So that one property we leveraged, that one property that we bought for 200 family in Gardner, 40 grand down, we had leveraged, sucked 90 grand out of that, a total of 170 grand we refinanced out of these properties and we turn that 40 grand into 1.2 million dollars oh, oh my god <laughs> wow and that was Power 17 years real ago. estate <laughs> 17 years ago right so that was it we had the bug after that we had five properties oh i love telling this story and i would tell my wife all the time now i tell her oh remember when i used to lie to you all the time she says what do you mean i says before we had these properties, when we had the three unit, I would tell her, oh, we're going to get up to six units. We'll buy another one. She's like, oh, no, you're crazy. And then we got up to six units. I said, oh, we're going to get up to 12 units. She said, no, 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 that's never going to happen. We're never going to happen, right? And I just kept doing this, just kept setting the bar. It's like, and just projecting that, that vision, right, that we're going to own. We, I was just living like we had already bought them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't wave from that. And then it happened and it happened and it happened. And, you know, we got up to 60 units and now I joke her with her and said, remember when I used to lie to you and told you we'd get up to 10 units? She goes, oh, yeah, you used to say that. You're crazy. <laughs> so now here we are. We're at uh, 60 units. We built our property management company about five years in. We wanted to separate the entities. So we have a holding company, we have a property management company, and then we have a ghost. I'll tell you about the ghost later, mm-hmm. or maybe on next episode 16. So <laughs> here we have our holding company that buys the properties. We write a contract with our management company that manages the companies. So now when I pull up in my truck or used to pull up in my truck, I would say, hello, Mr. Tenant. Kyle, you're a great tenant. Thank you. I mean, you keep the place great. You pay rent on time. How's it going? And you might say, well, you know, that light fixture in the ceiling is kind of old. You think I could have a ceiling fan? I said, gee, Kyle, I would love to get you that ceiling fan. Let's see what we might be able to do. So I'm going to call the landlord and see if I can get you that ceiling fan and we'll install it for you. No problem. But if I do that, do you think on the renewal of your lease, you would sign again and maybe go up $10, $15. Would that work for you, Kyle? Of course it would. <laughs> okay, so let me see if I can get you that ceiling fan. So now what I just did is I put myself on your side of the fence for the negotiation. Can I go spend 50, 60 bucks on that ceiling fan? All day long. Of course. Are you going to give me an extra 120 to $180 next year because I spent 60 and you're going to be happy because you were able to negotiate and get that ceiling fan. So what I do is 
and, and it's not fraud, right? Because when I'm home at the desk doing the acquisitions, I'm in one frame of mind. Yeah. When I put on my Home Depot clothes and get in the truck and pack up my tools, I am no longer that investor. I am the property manager. I've got my CSL. I show up my lanyard, whole nine yards. I'm there to fix stuff. Yeah. So here we are. We got to this point. And then I had my first eviction about three or four years in. And that was an eye-opening experience. I missed my summary process date by one day. And I remember Judge Sullivan looking at me saying, Mr. Lucier, your summary process needed to be on this date and you filed at this date. I will have to dismiss your case. I said, well, what does that mean? He says, I'm dismissing your case. You have to start over. So <laughs> I never let that happen again. And uh, Judge Sullivan, is he, he's given me great recommendations and references. Uh, he's a great guy. So anyways, now I end up on the summary process list and I get a call. Hi, this is the president of the Northern Worcester County Landlord Association. Would you like to become a member? I'm like, the what? <laughs> A landlord is, you mean there's people out there who know how to do this and you will help me? Hon, we, we're, we're signing up. We're going to become members. We're joining this place. So we end up showing up and I'm blown away. It's a room of about 60, 70 landlords, all landlords. We walked in like so humble looking around. It's like, oh my goodness. These people own millions of dollars worth of real estate. And I've got like my one or two properties right now thinking I am so out of my league. <laughs> and these people just look like rock stars to me. Yeah, I loved it. So we got in there and, uh, you know, we started to find out this and find out that. And we would leave so juiced up because, wow, I never knew we could do that. And no, I didn't know we needed a lease and a written agreement. We need that. So... <laughs> Yeah, we started to network and find contractors, plumbers, electricians, all that stuff you hear about. It's like, oh, if you want to network, join a RIA or something like this. But this was specifically for buy and hold landlords. And that's that's my niche. That's what I do. I like buy and hold. So uh, I had mentioned to you before we started, if you ever join a nonprofit association, be careful. If you volunteer too much, they will make you president and not let you leave. So now it's been uh, about 13 years. I have been the president. I, I took over the reins. Uh, I'm the president of the Northern Wister County Landlord Association, and I love it. I get to help landlords. I get to help tenants. Uh, I'm on top of the list for new information. Uh, it's brought me tons of deals. I mean, I've made tens of thousands of dollars by donating my free time because I care. It's yeah. not I'm doing it to make the money. It's because I care. So about five, six years ago, maybe six years ago now, uh, be, it was seven years being the president. And I get calls from landlords all the time. I'm on the website. They've got my contact info. Hey, Brian, I think I screwed up my security deposit. What do I do now? Hey, I got a leaking faucet. Can I have the tenant pay for that? Um, they didn't pay rent and I want to take out the toilet. It's like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. That's illegal. <laughs> Don't do those things. 
So after hours of coaching people on the phone, say, do it this way, do it this way, make sure you follow up, show me the document. I'll give you the document. I don't care. Right. I looked at my wife and says, you know, we've been doing this for so long. We have our operations down with Bel Air. Why don't we just manage for these folks? They're having a hard time. They need the help. We seem to have figured this out. So she says, do you think you can make it work? I says, let me figure it out. So one thing about being self-employed or running your own business, you don't have a boss and you can make your own schedule. So I think this was the beginning of uh, 2014. I think it was 2014. Right after Christmas, I looked at my wife and said, okay, I'm doing this. I read some books, business plans, all this stuff. We downloaded... Um, from uh, David Levinsky, really good business plan if you're looking for one. Uh, growthink.com, that's his website. But uh, really, really good stuff to start up a business. So I sat down with his business plan for the next three months. I would see my wife in the morning, I'd uh, have breakfast, it'd be 8 a.m. I'd say, okay, I'll see you when um, Starbucks closes. There's a Lemonster Starbucks slash Barnes and Noble right in Lemonster. And right next door to Staples, so I could get really good Wi-Fi connection. And I just sat there for the next three months, pounding this out, going through the city data, the job reports, the growth, everything that I had learned to do over the past 15, 16 years. I says, okay, so where's my target? Where do I want to do this? And I just came up with this whole plan, this whole design. For three months, I sat in Starbucks, just pounding away on the keyboard. <clears throat> And when I had finally finished, it was uh, close to St. Patrick's Day. And of course, you know, they're playing Sinead O'Connor, U2, and all the Irish rock bands on uh, the streaming, the, uh, the music that comes through Barnes and Noble and, and all that. So as I'm hitting save, I just finished the last page, 247 pages, operations manual, marketing plan, business plan, the whole thing. It's like, wow. And I had such a feeling of accomplishment as I'm just saving it. And I'm like, I got to make sure I do a backup of this. So I had saved it in a couple different places, this cloud, that cloud, that cloud, just to make sure that it didn't get screwed up. And as I'm shutting down and closing the laptop, U2, Streets With No Name, starts playing over the intercom, the music. And it's like, wow, I was just so juiced. It's like, this is so cool. This has got to be an omen. Streets with no name, property manager. Uh, I'll be there with you. It's like the whole thing. I get goosebumps <laughs> just telling you right now. It's like, <gasps> and I'm never going to forget this moment. And I never did. And um, that last week I was writing the business plan. I had started to market and do all this stuff. I had the website and everything. I got the call from my first client. And that, it, it was that week. I left Barnes and Noble, drove by their property. It's dark at night and I'm doing the best I can to poke around. And I took on that property. We still manage it today. That's a beautiful story. But uh, here we are some 200 plus doors later. And uh, just before the call, I was, I apologize again. I was <laughs> seven minutes late for our call. And I don't like to do that because your time is valuable. And I respect your time for letting me do this. But I just got off the phone with a potential client who Wednesday, we're going to be doing a walkthrough for eight buildings. 
They have eight buildings on this huge complex. So I'm gonna walk through with my maintenance supervisor, the person who called me and their maintenance supervisor. We're gonna hammer out a deal. So there's over 30, 40 units in this complex. Oh my yeah. God. There's like 28 in the main facility. And then there's three cabins that house about five or six each. So eight, 18 and 28. It, it's gonna be a big deal. So if you're a maintenance guy, I'm hiring. <laughs> Look me up after this, okay? <laughs> so yeah, so there we are. We uh, started out small. We leveraged up. Now, when you refinance, you don't pay income tax on that. Really? Okay? I didn't know oh. that, actually. Oh, oh no. You don't pay income tax when you refinance. But don't go buy a Lamborghini. I, I used to call it milk money. This yep. is how I always thought of it. Way before I started listening to Brandon Turner and found out about the Burr method, I was calling them cash cows. So I would buy a property, fatten it up, make it healthy, milk it, take the milk to market, trade the milk for a calf, bring the calf back, fatten it up, milk it. And I just kept doing this. One cow I knew because I could get another cow refinance, get another cow. And this is all off the first down payment. I didn't have to come up with my own money after that. I was using milk money. I love so that. Analogy. I love it. <laughs> and uh, the thing I love the best about buy and hold rental properties. Yeah. I, I had to come up with that first initial down payment, but now if I do a good job, take care of the property, take care of the residents, they're going to stay there and month after month after month, they're going to pay my mortgage. And I get to provide for them a nice home where they can have holidays and build memories and watch the Super Bowl and be together and be a family and have a home. I love that. I love that about multifamily. It's, 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 it's so real. You know, it's like, it brings back the memories of my Italian mom. We're all in the kitchen. Everybody hangs out in the kitchen. So yep. spend a little extra money in the kitchen, you rehabbers. All right? <laughs> That's where people are going to make their memories. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's a, so we're ready for episode two now. You're going to ask the second question. Brian, if that, yeah. if that story isn't like from starting from zero, and starting from like having nothing, like just a thought to building something absolutely life-changing and astronomical oh, yeah. and insane. I don't know what is. But, you know, real estate is a slow moving train. Mm -hmm. You got plenty of time to jump on. You got time to jump off because the market moves slowly. It's not like the stock market. It's a, it's a sine wave, but you can know where you are in that market. Yeah. You know, uh, Warren Buffett says it best, um, when everyone's greedy, sell. When everyone's selling, get greedy, right? So right now, in this market, we've sold off about two-thirds of our portfolio. So we're in a cash position, and we're just going to sit and wait. And in the meantime, I still keep building the property management business. This is my machine. It's the engine I built, and I just want to keep pouring gasoline in it. I love it. You know, we're hiring, we're up to a crew of six team members right now, and uh, we have fun. I, I'm really super picky on the people I bring in. Yeah. You have to have the skills, you have to have the experience, and you need to be a good fit with the team. 
You know, we're a team. You know, we help each other. It's not, oh, you did this and I'm going to do this part. No, it's like, you're going to throw the ball and I'm going to run down the field and I'm going to catch it. And my blocker is going to block me and all three of us together, we're going to make that touchdown and we're going to do it again. And we're going to do it again. And we're going to do it again. (sighs) (laughs) I love that. That is, that is just absolutely insane. You know, I love that mentality of just doing it because you love it rather than, you know, most people's mentality of like, just to make a buck. You know, that's, that's like a whole nother element to, to business and, and your life, honestly, you know, just, just having fun and having a good time and, you know, things are going to happen, you know, you're obviously an incredibly good person and, you know, sound like this is kind of your baby. Um, and it's, it just has grown, you know, to absolutely unimaginable heights and. Well, we, we've hit a plateau and I got plans for the next level. So um, I see your second question there and I'm chomping at the bit to jump on. <laughs> do you have any questions for me, Kyle? I most certainly do. <laughs> I have lots of questions, but I'll stick to these ones for now. <laughs> um, what is your drive and your vision for the long term? Overall, what's your fire? Sure. So, like I said, this is my baby. This is the engine. This is the the monster that I built that I just want to feed. So right now, we have been tracking the rental markets in Massachusetts. We're looking at 53 different areas. And I have isolated the next six markets I'm going into. So the plan is, uh, they say in all these uh, books, work on your business, not in your business. Well, for 20 years, I've been hands-on. I have my construction supervisor license. I've done scores of rehab, tiles, floors, cabinets, walls, drywalls, everything except roof, because you know that's beyond, I don't want to get up on the roof. That's fine. Yeah. But we've done all this. So now we built all these operations and now I'm putting people on those seats in the bus. So the plan right now, Bel Air is going to branch. We're going to have Bel Air East, which is going to be on the East Coast. I'm currently working with my son and my daughter-in-law, who you should get on the podcast, by the way. Oh, well. (laughs) We're prepping right now. We're, We're doing a rifle marketing approach for properties in California. And we're already starting to negotiate deals. My daughter-in-law is from the LA area. So we're going to have Bel Air East and Bel Air West. So I may be traveling back and forth over the next year or so to get both of these set up. Then when both of these are set up and my wife and I are working on the business and my son and daughter-in-law are working on the business, we're going to open Bel Air South. Now I don't know where Bel Air South is yet but it's going to be on the perimeter beneath the frost line where we don't have to deal with snow, frozen mm-hmm. pipes or any of that stuff. Now, when I was younger, I liked multifamilies all day long, a little more risk there. Right. I say risk because years ago we tripped the wire and we always have to do commercial loans now, which aren't that bad. So what? Right. Yeah. So you eat what's on your plate. So now we do the commercial loans. Now that I'm getting older, I'm starting to look at, okay, maybe single families because uh, they're a much more disposable asset. You know, of all the people who could buy real estate, 
if you have multifamily, you're narrowing it down to investors or people who are going to live there and rent out the other units. Yeah. Single family home, everybody buys. Or millennials will rent them all day long because they want a nice, clean place that they can have their friends over and entertain. Yep. And they want their place to be nicer than their friend's place. Of course. <laughs> I can do that. So this chapter of life, you know, we've got the, I call them boutique apartment buildings. It's uh, those single family up to 10 to 20 units that might be too big for the smaller mom and pop managers, but too small for the bigger property management companies that want those hundred unit complexes. Mm -hmm. And I want to be the best manager in that space. And we're going to take those operations. We're going to move it into the LA East, West, South. So that's where we're going on that. And we've run the numbers. Uh, our growth looks really good for me to hit my numbers. I need to be taking on 13 units a month. By January 7th this year, I had 18 units under contract. And now just before this call, we might be looking at another 30 or 40. So um, it's, it's very possible. Like I'm not bragging. This is yeah, because yeah. you work hard, right? Of course. Yeah. Like definitely. I say all the time, how do you get a parking spot up front? Drive your car up front. Yep. Okay. So how do I get these units? Be where those landlords are going to be. Talk to them, right? So we've got all this going on. But if by February 1st, if all these come on, I've exceeded my numbers for the year. But I'm not stopping. Never. Nope. This is the machine I want to put fuel in. Yep. So I'm just going to keep going. And the only thing that would stop me is the size of my team. So going to constantly keep hiring, constantly keep hiring, not too fast because that's the death of a business. If you grow too fast, your expenses get bigger than your revenue. Now you're sweating. Yeah. So I'm going to add on until we're right up to there where we need somebody else. And then we'll put a team member on and take it from there. So my dreams are going to outlive my lifespan. And I'm okay with that. You know, I have my faith. I'm grounded with that. Love my wife. We have a comfortable life. You know, and that's scary when I say that because I never really want to be too comfortable. Yeah, I get but that. I know that we can pay the bills. All right. Yeah. If she wants to go see the grandbaby in LA, fine, we'll go. Uh, we've got another granddaughter in New York. You want to go? Fine, we'll go. But this is the thing, this business is what gets me up at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, my wheels are already jiving. You know, I do my miracle morning. I do this, I do that. I get more done by 8 a.m. than some companies do all day. And now here it is, uh, six o'clock at night. I am on hour 14 and a half. And boy, <laughs> do I look tired and out of energy. <laughs> okay, I'm not really out of energy. So uh, yeah, that's the driving vision. I wanna keep growing this. Because the more people I can get into a good home, that, that's my dream. That's my vision right now. How many people can I get home? Wow. I'm honestly, I am so blown away. 
like oh, the, the more the more you keep talking i'm dead serious this no. is like this is an insane story like <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm i'm anybody i'm any guy you know i i'm, I'm wearing jeans i put my my socks on one at a time Yep. You know, I'll take a cheeseburger over a steak. Well, mm -hmm. unless my son cooks it. He does really well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I'm just an average Joe guy. Family's important to me. Other people's, you know, families. That's one of our values. That, that's one of our core values. Happy yep. families. That, that's not too hard. I mean, if, if you stay there, everything else kind of falls into place. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, it's, it's just do it, you know? You want a parking spot up front, drive your car up front and look for a parking spot. That's incredible advice. Like, like absolutely incredible advice. And especially, you know, like your, your really, really big plans that are happening right now, you know, yeah. to have branches across the country. Sure, why not? Like, exactly, you know? Like, what, there's, no, there's no reason to doubt at all. But it makes total sense to me because that's where my family is. Yep. That's the root of all this. It, it just makes it, it, it makes sense to me, right? Of course. I have a business where I want to visit my granddaughter. Yep. You know there's a tax deduction there, right? <laughs> okay. Come on, Chloe. Grandpa's going to go rent the Lambo. Let's go get ice cream. <laughs> Oh, look at the real estate. That one's for sale. Let's make a phone call. <laughs> yeah, no, that's out of my price. Okay, so we came out. We looked at property. We had an ice cream. We needed a car to drive around. <laughs> yeah, you see where this is going, right? Yep. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> All right. Uh, wow. That's insane. You know, especially like, like, you know, for a fact that like, you know, everything that you've built and like the processes and everything um, you know, like the management, like the operation, the, um, you know, like the main driving force behind everything, like the family and helping people out and everything. Yeah. Like over all this time, like, you know, that it, it works like extremely well and to be able to like, watch it grow in the place that you started it and then be like, all right, why can't I do this in other parts of the country? Why can't I do this down South? Why can't I do this out West? Why not? It works here. So why can't I put it other places? You know, and if you wanted to do it, then if you want to get that front parking spot, you drive to the front. Yeah. Kind of silly, isn't it? It is, but it's, it's just, it's incredible. You know, like. <laughs> well, you just do it one day at a time. Yep. You wake up, lift your head off the pillow, throw your feet over the side of the bed and get started. Those days, if you keep doing those things that you need to do to get to your goal. If you do those every day, you wake up there someday and say, wow, feels like yesterday we only had three units and now we're managing over $20 million worth of assets. And this is important, right? At the beginning, you know, a water tank or something would go out and oh no, you know, it's the end of the world. And back then it only used to cost me 800 bucks. Now a water tank is up to 15, 1600 bucks. But now if it happens, it's like, okay, well, that's what it is because yep. it's the people first, right? Exactly I always right. say to my team, right in the interview, if you're going to work here, you're going to treat all of our clients, landlord, vendor, resident, 
like they're your grandma and yeah. you like your grandma. If you don't like your grandma, pick somebody else you like. Because <laughs> when they call you up and they have that issue and their problem, you're not going to yell at grandma and say, oh, did you break it? Did you not put oil in the tank? Come on. You know, you don't pull that with your grandma, especially nope. my grandma. She yep. could throw a shoe around the corner, hit you and snap it back on her heel before you know where it came from. You don't do that to grandma. And no, we no. don't treat the people that way. So now somebody calls me, we need a water heater. It's okay. When is someone going to be home? We're sending a plumber. Could you go down and get the serial number of that? I need to know if it's gas, electric, 40 gallon, whatever. Yep. And now we try to stay up on that when we take on a new property. We've got a whole property list that we give to a new landlord. Fill out these blanks. So if something like that happens, grandma's not freaking out because she can't bathe or take a shower. She knows within the first half hour or so, okay, they're going to take care of it. And by tomorrow, I'm going to have hot water again. Because if they call past three, four o'clock, I'm not going to get have time to get it installed. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, and it's, I mean, if you're, contemplating doing real estate and you have not budgeted or allowed for these water heater moments, then you need to go back and look at your numbers and you need to put in some fudge there because something's going to happen. Something's going to break. Yep. You got to have reserves. I mean, I used to say three months of reserves. Now with the things we've been going through, I'd like to see six months of reserves on every property mm -hmm. okay so if stuff happens you're not going to be blown out of the game you're not you're not going to be wishing that you had done this and um i'm an old guy here uh the old terminology for it is a sinking fund so what a sinking fund is you look at your property you've got all those long-term expenses that you know will happen your water heaters your roofs your siding you know windows eventually you, you just put it all on a spreadsheet. Yep. I got the roof here in 20 years. I need a new roof. What's a roof cost? Divide that by 20. Every month, you should be setting aside out of your cash flow and your reserves to pay for that roof when it happens 20 years from now. The mm -hmm. sinking fund. You're sinking money into the investment. So later, you're not going to have to rob from Peter to pay Paul to figure out how to get Joseph up on the roof. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, reserves, real big thing. And, you know, I see a lot of landlords starting out right now. And that's a difficult conversation because, and I understand it. They want to buy more property, buy more property, buy more property. I will tell a landlord and, you know, call it wisdom, call it been there, done that, got the sky shot glass and the T-shirt. But when you buy a property, make sure it's stabilized before you do your next deal. You don't want to be caught when the tide goes out and you're not wearing pants. That's incredibly important. Well, <laughs> I forget, it's was, it, was it Warren Buffett that said that? I forget. Somebody said well, that. I forget. Warren who. Buffett says uh, he was the thing with the tide. When the tide goes out, you'll see who wasn't covered or something. Uh, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But you that's know, all I, Warren Buffett and Snowball. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard. Side note: I've heard a, a lot about that book too, Snowball. I've heard that's a very, very good one. So. A thick one. <laughs> that one's a couple cups of coffee. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I I really really like that a lot. Um, 
you know, I, one thing that really stuck out to me, you know, in that explanation that you just gave about, you know, how important reserves are and not over leveraging yourself for when things happen. And that's what really stuck out to me was when these things are going to happen, not if, when, because obviously, you know, these things are going to happen eventually, you know, like you said, you know, you may have a new roof now, like that's great, but 20 years from now, you're probably going to need another one. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, that's just like amazing advice to kind of like amortize that forecasted roof. Um, Cause I mean, it's, it's going to happen. And, you know, the same with like some of the other stuff, um, like other like big, you know, capital expenditure repairs and kind of amortize those over time. So, you know, just like you said, like you don't have to all of a sudden come up with like 20 grand or 10 grand or, you know, yeah. whatever. And it, like you were anticipating that expense. So then, you know, as the numbers are still going to work out and, um, you know, then you can move on to your next property and then you're not afraid for when that does happen that, you know, once the tide goes out, people will realize you're not wearing anything, (laughs) but yeah. Oh my God. Wow. So to, to jump to the very next question, um, what are your thoughts on building relationships and expanding your network? I know, you know, we kind of dug into this quite a bit, like how important these relationships are and like the really crazy, um, you know, unbelievable things that come from just building like real good, uh, genuine relationships and being there for people. Genuine relationships. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. I've heard it so many times. I don't know who said it, but real estate is a relationship business. Yep. I love talking to my contractors. We're building something. We're going to build those memories. Um, negotiating. I love that part of it. Um, when I go to a RIA, I will always ask someone, what do you need to grow your business? Because anyone you have a network with, you know, they'll shark you, right? I'll take your card. You'll take my card. No, this isn't the guy I want to talk to. And you're already looking over their shoulder to yep. the next person in the room. You're, you're sharking the room, right? Like, no, I will be present in that moment. I'm not going to talk. I'm going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Ask that question. And then you can talk and tell me what it is you need for your business. I know more about you now. I know how to help you now. If, if, if we're in a contest of who can give their message out and then jump to the next person as quickly as possible, you've not built a relationship. Yep. You know, I've taught my daughter-in-law this. She is phenomenal with people. I love that woman. But um, <laughs> it was on one of the Bigger Pockets podcasts, the guy who uh, blew fishing, if you want to check that one out. But uh, he asks the hosts a really important question. If you're invited to a dinner party, what's the question you ask? And most everybody's like, well, who's going to be there? Or, yeah. You know, it's like... Uh, when is it? Or what's the food going to be? Or what are they going to serve? Or, you know, who's the music? And that's all me, 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 me. When I did this little quiz with my daughter-in-law, she nailed it. She says, well, well, what should I bring for dinner? What do you bring to the table when you're networking with someone? Not what can they feed you? Are they going to play the tune you like? Are they, uh, are the, are they going to know the people you want to know? You know, make that relationship. I mean, I might not be able to help you because you might need something that I don't have. Mm 
but because I've built these relationships, I might know someone that I can send your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was uh, Thomas Stanley. I always get that wrong, but it's Stanley uh, networking with millionaires, right? He tells the whole story. It's like of the insurance guy. He says, well, why are you in the food business? You're, uh, you're an insurance guy. He says, well, my clients, most of my clients are in the food business. So I want to make sure that my clients are successful. And I want to give them the tools and the things and the information they need so that they can succeed in the food business. And that's got nothing to do with real estate. Oh my goodness, you're my apostle. And now I introduce you to five of my food friends and say, you need to deal with this guy and he's going to do your insurance for your company. I didn't go there to sell insurance. I went there to solve your problem. People, the network. I mean, you can do this with anybody. I love doing it at Home Depot with the cash register. (laughs) I love doing it when I go get vegetables in the store, when I'm picking up meat or whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, you talk to people. You'll hear a conversation. And don't be so me, me, me. What are you going to give me, me, me? What can I bring to the table? That's real networking, right? That's what people want to know. It's like, and some people get it and some people don't. And that's okay. Because those people who get it are going to build those networks, are going to have their relationships. Oh, another part of this, you got to tell everyone what you do. That may sound a little counterintuitive, but the question always comes up. Oh, uh, I drive a truck. What do you do? Well, I buy real estate and I get really good returns from my investors. What? What's that? Tell me more. You know, that's the answer to the question. I'm not beating you up saying, you got to listen to me because I buy real estate. No, that, that's a turnoff, right? Yep, that's yep. like, what's for dessert at the dinner party? No, <laughs> I should be bringing dessert to the dinner party. Exactly. Yeah. So this is so funny. Um, I'm a little embarrassed to tell this, but it's a really funny story. So we had a challenge at our church to do testimony. Right. And like, not to the people inside the church, but tell people that you're a Christian. Right. So mm-hmm. I had a water line break, like a sewer line in one of the properties we just bought. We didn't know because we just bought it. So that family, I said, okay, we got to rip open the wall. We got to redo the, the sewer line. So the best, uh, not the best Western, it's, uh, the inn on Betty Spring Road and Gardner, right? It's a really nice place. They got a sauna, they got a swimming pool, all this stuff like this. So um, I had to put them in the hotel for like three days. We had to tear the place apart. I didn't care. It was family. It was the right thing to do. It's actually under sanitary code, my obligation. Yep. Reasonable accommodation. They had a house. You know, we got them pizza for supper time, whatever. It didn't matter to me. It's the right thing to do. So I get them all back, Humpty's back together. They move in. The husband comes out and says, so what's the deal with you? You know, what are you trying to do? Are you like trying to impress my wife or something like that? And uh, I was like, no, it's the right thing to do. And then he pushed harder. He says, uh, well, you know, you didn't have to do that. You, you know, this and that. And said, look, you know, sanitary code. I have to do it reasonable accommodations. Yeah, but you put us where we could have a sauna and a weight room and a a swimming pool and all that. And finally, I just looked at the guy and says, look, 
my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ died for you. How can I not put you in a hotel? Yep. And he was speechless, right? So fast forward to the story. Here I am. Uh, my number comes up and I got to give my testimony. So I get up before the whole congregation. This is leading to a point, by the way. <laughs> I get up before the whole congregation. I say, hi, I'm Brian Lucier and I'm a landlord. And everyone starts laughing. Why is that funny? I don't get it, right? Yeah, so the yeah. only thing I could figure, it was like an AA meeting, right? They must have thought I was trying to be funny. It's like, hi, I'm on my fifth chip. <laughs> and, you know, not to make light of any of that, because that's a serious You're right. Yeah, disease and illness. But the funniest thing was, I went up there, gave my testimony of what I did. And for me, it wasn't anything special. It was the right thing to do for a family. That's not hard to figure out. So after service, I'm, you know, in the lobby, we're doing the coffee, donuts, all that stuff. And two or three people come up to me and say, oh, I didn't know you were a landlord. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm a landlord. I've got some money set aside and I want to do some investments. You think you might be able to help me with that? Maybe. And then you have the conversation, what kind of property, all that, because securities and all that, you shouldn't just say yes and take the money. Yeah. Again, it's a conversation, right? So funny thing is my pastor has been my largest investor in my deals. And I love giving him his 10%. So yeah, it's, it's the network, right? It's talking to people and, you know, it's just, I'm just going to keep coming back to it. it's about the people. If you treat the people right, they know that. Uh, the law of res reciprocity, I mean, I'm not doing it to get something back, but you got to get Brian Tracy's book. I keep talking about his. You got to give, 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 give in sales with no expectation of a return. Yep. You know, the uh, networking with millionaires next door, same thing. He's an insurance guy helping the food industry. No connection there at all. But I mean, there's just so many examples of where that works. I do it like totally to talk. <laughs> no, that that was really, really amazing, honestly. Um, you know, I, I really, you know, I'm starting to just kind of see, you know, the start to the reciprocity. Um, you know, like it, it's such an insane principle, you know, like literally just like just being a good person and just giving to people, um, you know, talking to people and literally not expecting anything in return. Yeah. And I feel like the universe kind of finds a way to like bring it back to you. You know, like it, it just like, so it just kind of knows somehow, like sometimes, you know, like you just said, like you, you know, it's just like extremely important to you to make sure people feel, you know, like they're heard and you know to you know not just like take it lightly and you know throw them in some like random hotel that might not be you know good but to make sure that you know the situation that they're in is able to be dealt with in you know the best way possible for them you know to be buying them dinner and you know putting them in like a really nice hotel you know not too far away while everything gets done you know asap yeah. And, and then, you know, like you said, like, just kind of letting people know, you know, what you do and like, just, just telling that story, like you never know at all who's out there, you know, and you wouldn't have known if you never, you know, stood in front of, you know, the entire congregation 
and and you know told them what you did that day you know those people probably wouldn't have came up to you or you know if they did it might it might have been like you know months down the road like it might have just happened you know what i mean but because you were an extremely good person and you know did something like out of the kindness of your heart you know instead of like just dealing with this to deal with it i feel like that totally came back to you and you know it just like everything just kind of comes full circle yeah it, it may have only cost me like an extra 150 bucks from this hotel to that hotel yeah but then there's this family they gave me recommendations they hooked up their friends for references to rent from us you know they were good people they gave us more good people and you know any given rent at a rental unit is over 10 grand a year. Yeah. One referral. I mean, it's a no brainer. It is. You know, it's a no brainer. Just do the right thing. It's not that hard to do. Yeah. And, um, um, the whole thing about uh, the people I met from church and all that, I probably never would have had that conversation with them, but then you have your own circles of influence and affluence and everybody watching this knows somebody somewhere that they may not know is affluent, right? Yep. You got to have that conversation. You got to let them know. You got to be excited about it. Right. So, I mean, me being there, not that I'm anything special, but just saying, okay, it was on me. I had a decision. I chose to do the right thing. Like that's a difficult choice. Yeah. And then it's okay. There's somebody, if I invest with them, their heart is to do the right thing. All right, guys, that concludes our creating wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.